You are listening to Trophy Horse with your hosts, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve. Welcome to Trophy Horse. This is episode 346. We are ever, ever so close to the momentous episode 350, which we probably, we, we never thought we would hit at any point, but here we are. And this week, we've got another two-man show with the best two-man crew in the business. It's myself, Alex, your host, and I yield to no one. You have to love yourself a fire. Love yourself a fire. Did you get that from Firewatch? Close. You know what? That is dumb. That was okay. That was really dumb because I just watched that trailer about five <laughs> minutes before I made that comment. That was uh, that was nice shield. Way to work that in there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I'm. I'm sure that if if you're listening to this, there's a good chance that you've watched the newest trailer for Red Dead Redemption Two, which comes out this October. We're gonna talk about that a little bit later. Before we get into that, we are going to give you our updated trophy counts for the week. Tricky is level 35. He's got a total trophy count of 8,969 and a platinum count of 88. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a new platinum this week. Well, I got it last week, but I have a new one to share this week. It is Bloodborne. Finally got through that game all the way. I'm sitting at level 30. I have 6,575 total trophies and 98 Platinums in 97 games. Feels good to get to that 98 Plateau there. Got sick of saying 97 and 96 games. So, uh, well, I was about to say I yield no one, but Yield, you can give your own trophy count. So, let's see here. I am sitting at a level 26 with a trophy count of 5,104, and I got two new Platinums this week. I'm sitting now at 78. Vunaba, what did you get? I got uh, Batman, a Telltale series, and Saints Row the Third. Nice. You've been working on Saints Row the Third for for a few months now. Yeah. Yep. Knocked it out today. It's a big game. I don't really think it's a hard platinum, but you got to put a lot of effort into it. You do. You do. And and it might have been a little bit easier for me because I had a, I had picked up basically the game of the year edition. Uh, it's called the full package. So there was. Like, I already had, like, a tank in my garage and a whole bunch of other things. So there were sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to go cruise down the street in a tank, and I'm going to take out this gang, you know, uh, battle. And I'm going to go do this and that. So I did a little bit of extra challenge and beat uh, gang members to death with sex toys. And I've done that. I did that, too. So... Yeah, when we, when we say that it's over-the-top compared to even Grand Theft Auto, that's what we mean, that there are sex toy weapons in the game. Seriously over-the-top, but I really enjoyed it. Now I'm going to work on the three DLC trophies list. Very nice. Steve is a level 14 with total trophy count of 1,832 and five platinums, and Sid is crushing us all 
with level 31, total trophy count of 6,999, one away from 7,000, which I'm sure he has by now, and a platinum count of 109. He is dusting us. He's going to reach 120 before either Tricky or I get to 100. Oh, I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure if you really wanted to, you could knock out 100 real pretty quick. I mean, I I could go buy and and download and play two Telltale games and just be or like even I mean that puzzle game that came out that's like a basically instant platinum like I could do that, but I'm not going to. So I played a little bit of Bloodborne last night even though I got the platinum last week and I'm considering getting the old hunters DLC despite the fact that I hear there's just some nightmarish bosses in that. Uh, the Orphan of Coast being one of them, and probably chief among them. Uh, but I also hear there are some really good boss fights in there, and it's a really good game, or excuse me, a really good add-on for the game. Everyone says good things about it, so I know there's like a little fishing village where you, like, there's like these whale monsters, which all looks and sounds really cool, so I've been, I got through Central Yarnum last night, I'm in the Cathedral Ward now, I think you have to be in the Cathedral War to actually access that DLC. So, I even though it's 20 bucks, I think I'm going to take the plunge and play the old Hunters. Uh, even though I'm kind of dreading having to fight some of those bosses, because apparently the three hardest bosses in the entire game are in that DLC. Nice. And after fighting the Abhorrent Beast in the Chalice Dungeons, it... Um, to think of other bosses that are harder, it's kind of... I don't know. It's kind of terrifying because the the chalice dungeons, like I would get through a certain level layer of the dungeon and then get to the boss and like the Thumerian descendant and the abhorrent beast, like they would just wipe me out um, again and again and again. It was just so tough to fight them. Uh, I was three zero against the bloodletting beast, which I'm super proud of because that's not an easy fight. Um, but yeah, so I think I'm gonna to uh, cautiously step into the old hunters because I am I'm I'm like I think level 70 I'm close to level what excuse me level 170 with my guy Ramsey Starkanian so I took out all the bosses in the main game so I might as well I guess go for the other five it's probably a mistake but I mean I at this point I've, I've come this far in for a penny in for a pound yeah I mean there's nothing really I want to play right now so it kind of makes it easier to go into the DLC I want to get brawl out and the Mega Man X Legacy Collection, the first one, but those don't come out until the summer, so here we are. I guess it's the old Hunters for me. Well, Yield, how about you? There, oh, there, so. are, there are some games coming out here shortly. You've got uh, uh, Detroit Become Human comes out, I think, the end of the month. And uh, uh, Onslaught, uh, no, on, not Onslaught, on Rush from the makers of MotorStorm, or from the development team of MotorStorm. I think that comes out the 5th of June. Yeah, formerly Evolution Studios. Yep. Yield, what have you been playing, sir? So, um, I've been playing, I played uh, all three Jackbox Party Packs uh, last night. Some of the guys came over for Cinco de Mayo, and we sat around and played some Jackbox Party games. Um, been playing, of course, uh, Saint the Third and Batman the Telltale series. Really liked that. I really liked how they... They took the Batman universe for... I'm not going to spoil anything for those of you who haven't played it yet. Really enjoyed that. Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Played some Gravel. Jump back into that. And uh, fired up some Blades of Steel. Not Blades of... Birds of Steel. Blades of Steel. Thinking NES. Birds of Steel. 
Uh, I'm close to that platinum. There's like two really difficult trophies. One you got to play on realistic. One you got to play on sim simulator. And I'm trying to get the realistic one. And I got close last night. Didn't quite get it. If I can get those two knocked out, the handful of trophies I have left are gravy. And that'll be another platinum checked off on my list. So I was trying to, I was messing around with it for a couple of hours last night and just didn't quite get it because when it comes to the realistic flying aspect of it, um, I suck to put it in layman's terms. So I do appreciate layman's terms because I'm not an expert on everything yeah, or many things. So um, I'm, I'm going to keep working at it because there were, there were two realistic or two trophies tied to realistic flying. And I've, I've got the one. Now this is the hardest, supposedly what they say on the internet. This is the hardest of them. So now I'm working towards that. And I got close. I needed to get five kills, and I got four last night. And then the wheels came off the train. So, You know, generally you shouldn't believe what you read on the internet, because a lot of it's bullshit. But when it comes to trophies, I feel like when people call out like the hardest trophy in the game, they're generally right about it. Yeah. And of course, and also they also said that there's a possibility this trophy is glitched. Some people have said they've gotten the five kills, and the trophy never popped. And they had to do it, you know, several more times or one more time, and then it popped. So I'm like, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that that doesn't happen because I don't know. It, it's not one of them things of, ooh, I got five kills. Okay, I'll just restart the level and do it again. It's, yeah, it's not going to work that easily for me. So I'm hoping that when I get the five kills trophy pops, so I can go, good, I can move on now. It's just extremely deflating to have that happen, to, like, know you did something and then to have it glitch on you, because there's definitely those times when you're like, like say you're in a race and you have to beat a time trial, and you're like, oh, I had to get that. This has to be glitched because I had to have beaten that time. And you go another round and you do it just slightly faster and you get the trophy. Yeah. But then there's like ones that are glitched that you know you did, and it's like, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? Beating the dev times on split second. I never did that. You never, oh my gosh, those were not easy. <laughs> like, 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 you know, you know how on some dev times you can, on something like that, you can afford a screw up on a turn or two, you know, they, they, they give you a little bit of fudge room. There, there is like no fudge room on this one beat the dev time. Like you have to hit every corner, like almost power slide through the wall and almost clip it and come out of it dead straight, you know, so you don't lose any momentum. And even then, I, like, just, when I beat it, I think I beat it by not even a tenth of a second. And I'm a like, split second? Enough. Yeah. What I've learned from racing games, particularly Mario Kart, is that I can do cornering well. I can't do it well enough, though, to really be, like, up there with the developer times. Like, that's, especially in a game like Split Second or Blur. Blur had a really hard trophy set, too. At least to me. Like, I thought it was pretty difficult, too, because I played both those games. And I will say, Split Second was the better of the two. Th that was one of those games I like, like Infamous and Prototype. They both came out at the same time, kind of the same concept, and I went the one way and didn't go the other. I went I went Split Second route and never played Blur, although I've heard some, so you know, that it was a good game, but I uh, I went Split Second. 
to be fair, Split Second wasn't like isn't like mini racing games at all because of the like the whole sh- like get, like show aspect of it, where it's kind of a production, a race that's a production where you can deform the terrain. Blur was more like Mario Kart for like like neon Mario Kart for adults. Uh, okay. Well, then I'm glad I went with with Split Second because I really enjoyed that aspect of the game. They were both fun, but I enjoyed Split Second's novelty, and it was well done, and it was fun. So, all right, sir, so is that all you've been playing? Are you going to pick up um, On Rush when it comes out? Or are you going to wait? Fifty fifty. I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to pick it up. Then I'm like, well, you know, I might get. It. I saw the I saw the trailer that it it uh, it described each vehicle class and and what their On Rushes were. You know, kind of like basically their special ability. I was kind of like, man, that does look kind of fun. And I really did like Motostorm. So, um, I don't know. I'm I'm hee-hauling back and forth. I guess I'll see where I'm at come around the 5th of June. If I go out and get it or if I hold off and pick it up around the holiday season. All right. Fair enough. I feel like Motostorm was one of those underrated racing games or general underrated PlayStation exclusives that never got enough love. So it was, I, I, I ended up, unfortunately I picked up every one like later in the life cycle because either I didn't have enough money at the time, or there was another game that was higher up on my, I want to play lists than that. So it just like slid down the list. And then it's like, Oh look, it's 20 bucks now. Well, Hey, you know what? I got 20 bucks burning a hole in my pocket. Let's pick it up. But I, I, I've enjoyed every one. I really wanted to try to platinum Pacific Rift. And then I was, I don't know. I felt like I was like halfway through. And then that's when my PS3 first died. And that just took all the wind out of my sails. I'm like, I don't want to go back and have to redo it all again. But then I heard the online was really brutal. Yeah, I think I had like 20-something percent of those trophies. Yeah, now, Apocalypse was really fun. I did get the Platinum in that one, so that's the only, mo- well, I shouldn't say only Motostorm, because I did get the Vita Motostorm RC Platinum. Yeah, because the first motor the first Motostorm came out just shy, just slightly after Resistance Fall of Man, so it was one of the first exclusive games to come out for the PS3, so it didn't have, tro- it didn't have trophies. No, it didn't have trophies, but it was still enjoyable. All right, well, it seems like when talking about PlayStation exclusives, there's a lot of people out there enjoying God of War. If you listen to Tricky and Steven on the show last week and the week before, they were gushing about it, trying to convince Yield and I to play it. And we have some news on the sales of God of War because it is now the fastest-selling PS4 exclusive, and it sold over 3.1 million, 3.1 million units in three days which comes straight from the uh, PlayStation blog, which is definitely an impressive, yeah, definitely an impressive number. So congratulations to Sony Santa Monica and Corey Barlog for, I mean, I sat here the entire time saying they should have been done with the series, but people are enjoying the game. Some people are saying it's the best game in the series. Some people say it's one of the best PlayStation games ever made, if not the best one. Um, So like I got to hand it to them. They have done very well and they created a game that basically, um, what's the, what's the phrasing I'm looking for? Um, not made me look like a fool, but like disproved my thought of it. Um, I mean, I guess I can still think that it, they should have stopped after three, 
But this at least shows that they can still make a quality game even after, you know, four mainline games on the, between the PS2 and the PS3 and then the two PSP games, uh, Chains of Olympus and Ghost of Sparta. So, uh, congratulations to the team at Sony Santa Monica. Now, Yield, this kind of, I, I thought about this, um, well, second, well, first of all, I'll ask, did Tricky or Steven do a good job of convincing you to, to go pick it up last week? No. Fair enough. Any particular reason? Like, you haven't played any of the God of War games, have you? No, I haven't played any of the God of War games. And I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm being I'm being that guy who who everyone says go play it, so I'm just going to be like, nah, I'm cool over here. Do you feel like because you haven't played any of the games and there's already been four games before it on the main line, on the, the um, home consoles, do you feel like it's too late? Like, there's just too much... I mean, you have gone back and played the Ratchet and Clank games, but in the case of God of War, do you feel like it's too much to go back and do again? Uh, possibly. I, I have thought about going back and playing some of the God of War games because uh, my brother has them. And I thought, well, maybe I should. Everybody has spoken highly of, of the games. And I just... I don't know. I just haven't done it yet. I gotta do the same thing with Assassin's Creed because I really want to play... Uh, I picked up four... When it was cheap and Origins looks really cool, and I'm like, well, I I know that everyone says that you can, you know, you can pick up any one of those individual numbered Assassin's Creeds, and really not, you know, have to play the one before it. But I know that there's going to be little, little nods and connections to it because it does have an overlapping story, and I would at least like to know, you know, at least be able to realize that this is where the stories go and not just play that one game. Because I'm sure with the new God of War, they ha- they at some point have to connect it back to the other games. Yeah, I kind of have heard how they do that. I don't know if I know the full scope of it, but I don't know. I, I still kind of feel like, how can it be, like, after you've defeated Mount Olympus, like, everyone on Mount Olympus, or near everyone, except for, you know, Aphrodite. Like, what could be, what could top that? What could be better than that? But, apparently people are, are talking, and, and it seems like they have indeed topped the other God of War games, which is impressive, because God of War 3 was great, and so was God of War 2. Now, I wanted to ask, you know, God of War is obviously, like I said, it's a it's a sequel. There have been six games before it. And, you know, we, we often talk about how this the industry for years now has been maybe the last decade or so has been too sequel heavy where it relies too much on sequels whether it be guitar hero whether it be you know a sports franchise whether it be call of duty um you know there's a lot of sequels in the industry and a lot of people like except in the indie scene in the smaller game maker space like on the psn or xbox live arcade it it seems like People are shying away from more, um, at least when more money is involved, they're shying away from the more novel ideas, they're shying away from the new IPs, um, to a degree, um, you know, obviously Mirror's Edge and Dead Space are two examples of new IPs that did not sell well, and they, uh, well, Visceral closed, and, uh, they made a sequel to Mirror's Edge, I'm not sure how well it did, but, you know, Dead Space, every single game was not up to the snuff as far as sales go. So, you know, people talk about how there's too many sequels, but then you see God of War, which, you know, is apparently a very good game, 
sell become the fastest selling PS4 exclusive when you have it follows a year after Horizon Zero Dawn, which is a fantastic game. What does this say about our love of sequels? Are we talking out of both sides of our mouth? Do we say we don't want sequels when we really actually want them? Or is it just kind of a thing where it's like a franchise by franchise basis? I think it's a little bit of all of it, to be honest with you. I think we are talking out of both sides of our mouth. I mean, I mean, I, you've heard me say on the show several times that I, I applaud developers when they're like, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to make this game. You know, I mean, it would have been easier for Gorilla to make another Killzone, and they came out with Horizon, something totally out of left field. And But on the same token, if I enjoy a series, and I'll throw, uh, like, Uncharted, you know, if the first game's really good, when we come out with a second one, as long as the trailers and the gameplay trailers up to that seem interesting, I'm willing to give my money towards it. Um like we foreshadowed the the start of the show, Red Dead Redemption. I I enjoyed the PS2 one. I enjoyed what Rockstar did with with Red Dead Redemption. So I'm basically all in for Red Dead Redemption too. So I I think it, it's 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 a little bit. It depends on how the first game does. You know, was there a, you know a positive reaction? Do does it seem like people want a sequel? And then. Um, also, sequels are a safe bet. You know, if if the like I said, like I said, if the first game sells really well, well, you know, if we make a sequel, it should at least get to you know here. And if it gets higher, not hey, awesome. So, and and maybe any more video game devs are doing like, in in maybe some sense, some movies productions do where they have an initial story and I've got another two or three or one or two stories extra that I can do we'll just see how the first one does if it's received well and makes good enough money then I can make my second one you know I think whether it's movies or whether it's video games I think there are all those sequels that we actually want to see whereas other things it's like okay we can just have one of those and i'll be fine you know before bioshock infinite it seemed like a lot of people were fine with just one bioshock game you know and 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 we've said on the show before we were fine with just one last of us yeah but i will certainly play the next one and 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 i will too And, and and we knew it was more than likely going to come but we were perfectly fine with it just being a one-off for me i think with god of war in particular it's like after you become the god of war like the first game sets up where you you're going after Ares, and then you know the second game you're now setting your sights on everyone else particularly zeus in the second game and you kind of have this goal in your mind where you're going to topple olympus so for me it's like that goal has been accomplished you don't need to do anything else with kratos because that goal was so lofty and so amazing there doesn't need to be more beyond that. Um, you know, another game I can think of is the Uncharted series where I'm like, you can stop at Uncharted 3. Yeah. And I'm fine with that because it feels like their, their, their narrative had been wrapped up, the arc had been wrapped up, and it had the Disney ending where everyone rides off in the sunset, and it's fantastic. Uh, Drake and Elena are together, Sully's there, and, you know, after so many near misses and near deaths for all those characters, like, for them to all make it out alive, was, it was a relief. 
but you know obviously they've made more uncharted games and people have loved them yeah and 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 i love the the nod at the end of three where they uh they had bought one of those seaplanes that was shot down at the very beginning of drake's fortune i was like that's nice we've come full circle perfect ending naughty dogs does story so damn well yeah but then, like, there are other games like Sly Cooper and Ratchet and Clank. I literally think you could put out a million of each of those games, and I would love every single one of them. I absolutely agree. I, I, I we were talking a couple of weeks ago that you know you could still keep making Ratchet and Clank games, and people would buy them. I would buy them, and the same thing with Sly Cooper. I went back and played uh, the Sly Cooper games during the Great Trophy War because upon. One, I was able to pick up that the collection cheap, and you guys have always spoke highly of it. So, like, all right, I'll give this a whirl. Absolutely love them. I even went back to the store and bought uh, the PS3 one and played it. Just so I'm like, oh, I've, I'm in this far. I might as well finish the series, at least what they've made. And was like, wow, they need to make another one because I buy it. Yeah, and you know, I'll give a Nintendo example. We've got the Nintendo dual screens with Andy and Steven, another podcast here on the Proven Gamer Network. I'll give a Nintendo example because the Super Smash Brothers franchise is one where you could pump out one of those every three years, and I'll play the shit out of it. And I'll never stop. If I own a Nintendo console, I'll never stop wanting to buy it. But the good thing about the good thing about that, not to cut you off, is that they do it every three years. They don't call a Duty it or Assassin's Creed it where it's every year. Too true. So, so in three years, this game has has become old and stale. You're you, you're not playing it anymore, or you may only play it when your buddies come over. And then all of a sudden, look, here is a new game, and this is the great jump we've made from the previous game, where all those other games were at sequel after sequel, year after year. We're to the point now where you're not going to make those huge leaps and bounds every year all you're going to be able to do is you might be able to make a leap on this part of the game where it be the ai or the graphics or or you're you're you know able to work together with your ai team or something like that but as a gigantic jump where the whole thing feels fresh and new i just don't feel we're at that right now you're only just going to be able to fine-tune it you know, and only your diehards are going to kind of really notice that. Everybody else is just going to be like, well, it looks like last year's game. Just my personal opinion. For me, I think when I talk about a case-by-case basis, like, if you set up a narrative, like a story, you know, Ratchet and & Clank and Sly Cooper do have narratives, they do have stories, but it's almost like every game is kind of self-contained, Whereas, like, these other games, like The Last of Us or Uncharted or God of War, have overarching narratives. And I feel like, for me, when you reach the end of that narrative, I feel like I'm done. Like, I don't yeah. need—it's almost like if I pl- when I play a game, and, you know, maybe I'm changing my ways in this regard after talking about Bloodborne and the Old Hunters. But I feel like once I finish a game, I don't necessarily need—or in the past, I would think that I didn't need the DLC. Like, I was done with the main game. That was it. I'd move on. Um, so maybe that is a big determinant is the, the depth of the story and whether the story is a big selling point, because while I, I enjoy the characters in Sly Cooper, um, and I enjoy the gameplay, you know, the story is not like the main focus. It's, it's the characters in the gameplay. So, you know, maybe it has to do with how rich the story is. And if I feel like full enough, I, I had a friend after seeing Avengers, 
he told me he felt like he was full after Thanksgiving, um, and he was going to go back for seconds and thirds once the, the crowds died, died, died down a little bit. But maybe like with a rich story, like I get full and I'm like, okay, I've had enough of this franchise. I don't necessarily need any more. Whereas like Crash Bandicoot, I'm like, you know what? You put out the insane trilogy, put on a new game. I'll buy a Crash Bandicoot shit. Been buying Crash Bandicoot games for 23 years now. Yeah. I, and and I, I can see those arguments. I, I can't shoot it down and be like, no, nah, that's stupid. But I do also see the argument for wanting new IPs, and I want more big studios like Sony and Guerrilla Games. Good for them for going out for Horizon Zero Dawn, you know, last year. I mean, in recent years, Nintendo has done Splatoon. So I, I really want to see new IPs alongside, you know, sequels. I feel like, though, a lot of the new IPs are coming through in the smaller developers, the indie developers, and I want to see more of the big studios put out newer IPs, more of them. Even though it's riskier, um, I want to find a better mix for the big developers between new IPs and sequels. Because I don't feel like... I feel like it's been really lopsided for years now. Well, no, you're right. I've... It's it's not quite there, or don't doesn't quite have that feeling yet, but it seems like we're starting to get to, to Hollywood again, where we're running out of ideas, so we'll just keep extending what we've got, because that's the moneymaker... Reboot Spider-Man, reboot Transformers, let's go. I I feel that we could, I feel the industry as a whole, especially with video games, we, even if you fail, you keep pushing the industry when you come out with a new IP. Because your new IP, even if it fails, even if it's a success, there is something that you did somewhere in your game, whether it be AI, graphics, the story, the setting, will spark another developer to kind of go, you know what? I like that thought. I've been needing something for a game. I'm going to take that thought and I'm going to run with it with my game. All right, well, we jump from one sequel to another and Ubisoft's Beyond Good and Evil 2, a game that has been a long time coming. Uh, Ubisoft has released... New footage of Beyond Good and Evil 2. Now, it's early footage. It's alpha, so uh, we still have a long way to go with this game. But And Yield and I both watched this, and it's the gameplay is kind of a far cry from the original Beyond Good and Evil. Uh, the video shows... Uh, I found the video on Destructoid, but you can find the video on YouTube, uh, probably on IGN. To me, like they show like you flying around in a spaceship. You can jump out of your spaceship. It seems at a moment's notice and land and start like a brawl with people. Uh, there's show they showed fighting elements. They showed a jetpack. So I'm you know I'm wondering the hardcore fans uh, beyond good and evil. You know we had that CGI trailer with that showed Paige years and years back from E3. And for those of you who don't remember, uh, Jade and Paige are the main characters, Paige being the pig. It, um, you know, we had that CGI trailer, and it kind of, I think, set people's minds for what the new Beyond Good and Evil would look like. Kind of like when you, Zelda, you know, when Wind Waker was coming out, they had that, like, realistic footage for the for their next Zelda game. And then the year later, they showed this, the cel-shaded Wind Waker, and people lost their shit. And I don't know, to me, the new, the footage that I've seen so far, and again, it's alpha, so it's still early stages, but the gameplay seems like a far cry from the the PS2 game. And, you know, maybe that's just the evolution of the game. You know, it is a, a game that 
is coming out for the PS4, so you can't have the exact same mechanics. But I'm interested to see how the fans react because it, to me, it feels like almost like a completely different game. Well, I, I know that from kind of personal, ex- well, I can't say from personal experience from Beyond Good and Evil because I did not play the first one. But I can say from like a maybe a purist standpoint, they may not be thrilled with it because I remember when Borderlands came out and the, the original trailer that they showed, I was like, I was sold right then and there. Here, shut up, take my money, I'm sold. And then, like, a year later, they come out and, well, we've totally flipped. We're, we're now going cel-shaded. We're going cartoony. And I was just like, oh, well, screw that. I want nothing to do with you. And, it, and the only reason I got sold on the game was because some buddies went and bought it. And I was over at their house, and they kept, you know, every time we'd come over, they were playing it. And the more I watched it, the more I'm like, you know what? This is a good game. I should probably really give it a chance. I was being stubborn because they, they flip-flopped and totally crashed everything I had thought I was getting. So I can see that hurting the game from the purest standpoint. Now, from somebody like me who never played the first one, I saw the trailer and I'm like, ooh, Space Pirates. I'm intrigued. I think the first, the original game was cartoonish. It was cell shaded. It was it was kind of cartoony, um, not necessarily just for kids. It was more for adults, and it was a good game. I think maybe the visual style is kind of because this uh, is realistic. It's it's not shell cell shaded. It's not cartoony. Maybe that's what's throwing me off so much. I will say though, I went back. I I played Beyond Good and Evil when they released it for the PS3 digitally, and you know back from the PS2 days. I remember, you know, details about a lot of details about Okami and Psychonauts and Sly Cooper games and Ratchet and Clank games, like all my favorite games, uh, Twisted Metal Black Two or Twisted Metal Black, all my favorite games from the PS2 days. I remember very, um, very pointedly, and even stuff like the Bouncer, like going way back to one of the first games I bought for the PS2. Like I can remember that stuff. But for me, Beyond Good and Evil, like the characters, Jade and Page, are really memorable, and I can remember some of the settings. But I feel like looking back on it, there's just nothing really that remarkable about the game that I I look back upon and say that was awesome. It all kind of just – the game just kind of blends together for me where nothing really sticks out besides the two main characters themselves. Which, you know, I mean they did a great job of creating those characters, but the world and the game itself, I feel like it all kind of just runs together and it's – it's not as – it just doesn't come across as really a remarkable game. And I hate to say that because, like, when I played it, I had fun with it, and it was a good game. But just looking back on it, like, I don't have super fond memories from that game that I have from other games that I played in the PS2 days and the PS3 and then the PS4. So, um, I mean, I'm hoping for big things for Beyond Good and Evil 2, but, you know, for me, like, I don't have that same ardor for the franchise, even though I played the game, the original game. So I'm, I'm going to keep my eyes on Beyond Good and Evil 2, but, you know... Maybe maybe this changes what I need. If I say the game doesn't look wasn't particularly remarkable to me, maybe the change will be good. And it, this is a game beyond beyond good and evil two is a game I can attach to more easily than the first one. Now, Yilda, I actually did have a topic question for this. Okay. Um, this news. Let's do, let's do it. Uh, what you know, beyond good and evil two has been a long time coming, and <laughs> to the point where we did actually after that CGI trailer and nothing for years, we thought we were just never going to get it. What's the game? that came out, but we never thought we were actually going to get it. Duke Nukem. 
So is that uh, Duke Nukem Forever? Duke Nukem Forever. And you, you did play that, correctly? I did play that. I love Duke Nukem. And everybody, and you, you love that get you love that game, despite what everyone said. Yes, because I don't know. I I remember Duke Nukem was was a big computer game when I was a kid and didn't have a computer. You know, all I had was a console. And then it finally made its way to some console games, and I got to play it. And I'm like, oh, I absolutely love this game. And then. So, you know, you, you, you've got Duke Nukem Forever in developmental hell. It's never coming around. And then all of a sudden it's here. Awesome. I played it. It's, yes, it's outdated. You know, all, all that Gearbox did was shine it up a little bit. And here it is. Boom. And you can tell it's dated. But it, it's, it's Duke Nukem. And that's why I wanted to play. I wanted to play it so I could play Duke Nukem, listen to all the Duke-isms, and just have an absolute blast playing a Duke Nukem game. And it to me, it seemed like everybody wanted, uh, maybe I'm using a bad comparison, everybody wanted Duke Nukem Borderlands or something, since Gearbox had a hold of it. And, you know, it's just, if, they, if Gearbox comes out this year and goes, hey, look, we're doing a new Duke Nukem game, then yes, I expect it to just be graphically amazing and blow my socks off. But that's not what I went into with forever i went into forever to i guess in a way you know relive a little bit of of my childhood playing duke when i finally got to so i mean it seems like you forgave like some of the sins of that game you know that a lot of people had issues with which was that the game had been developed over the course of 10 years 10 plus years and it felt like you could see that because it didn't feel like from what i read a game that was made for today it was a game that was made for numerous years, like, and you could see like the uh, the aging of the gaming process and like the mechanics in it. And may- maybe that helped me by the time I got to play it because I d- I didn't pick it up right away. I waited, and I had I had read all that, but I'm just like I'm still playing it anyway because it's Duke Nukem. I don't I, I don't care. And then I played it, and I'm and I, I like I I I really enjoyed the game just from it being Duke Nukem, and yeah, you can tell it, it's, it's, it was not a current-gen game, and it may have not even been a last-gen game. Well, it seems like you had low expectations, like you tempered your expectations based on what you read, so that might have helped a lot, too. And it, yeah, and it may, it may have did, but I've, I've still told people, if you, if you enjoyed, if you enjoyed Duke Nukem, then, then, then go play it. If you went, if you want to pick up Duke Nukem Forever thinking you're going to get a brand spanking new, blow your socks off Duke Nukem game, you're not getting that. Yeah. Uh, for me, like, I'm, I'm going to mention an obvious one, but the I'm actually going to give other examples too. Uh, the, the Last Guardian is the one that comes to the mind first, is mind first because uh, Japan Studio and Sony was known as the Olympic team because they put out games every four years. You had Eco for the PS2, and then Shadow of the Colossus came out in 2005. And then lo and behold, not until December of 2016 did The Last Guardian come out. And along the way, we had thought that the game had been scrapped, that Sony had, was just done with it, because there were years where we didn't hear anything about it. And lo and behold, they went through with the game, and it got good reviews, and it turned out just fine for Japan Studio. So that's obviously the first game that comes to my mind because we talked about the game so much and I wrote about it so much over the course of all these years. 
Uh, and, you know, there have been other games along the way that I can look to. It's like, wow, really? that They came up with another one of those? That's great. I mean, like the Punch-Out for the Wii, uh, Twisted Metal for the PS3, Donkey Kong Country Returns for the Wii. For me, though, I would have to say, if I was going to pick a game that I thought that they would never make, um, or I thought they would never come out, but we actually got it, it'd be Mega Man 9. Uh, the, the 8-bit homage to Mega Man, uh, the new the newest game, it was, was at one point the newest game in the series, uh, the new game in the series was actually a throwback to the 8-bit days. Like, that was such a fantastic announcement, and of course they came out with Mega Man 10, and now they're doing Mega Man 11. It's part of the Mega Man anniversary. whole lots of Mega Man going on this year. But for me, it was Mega Man 9, because not only did they come out with a new Mega Man game, like, well, it didn't surprise me they came out with a new Mega Man game, it surprised me they came out with that new 8-bit Mega Man game, because we were in the days of the Wii and the PS3 and the Xbox 360, and we're talking like a game that would look like it was on the Nintendo, the, the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System, back in like the 80s. And it was, and it was as difficult. It was, and that to me was just one of like the most shocking announcements because you would never ever think that they would come out with another 8-bit Mega Man game when, for years, everyone had touted graphics. Like in the console wars, it was like it was like who would win the gra- the graphics horsepower fight. Which console had the better graphics? And that's, for so many years, what people focused on within the games industry. Not so much about the games, but when you were comparing consoles, like, which one has the most power? And then, here we go. Mega Man 9 goes back to 8-bit days, 8-bit music, like, brings back chiptune music, or I guess Anna Monaguchi and um, stuff like Scott Pilgrim helped do that, too. But, like, that, for me, was the game that I never thought we would ever get, and then we got it, and, like, I didn't even know we were getting it, and that's part of what made it so amazing. Another game that I'd like to share, and I've shared the story before, was uh, the original Rogue Squadron game, which I think was, it was either NES or N64, or SNES or N64. I think it was N64. Wasn't it, like, a, close to a launch title? And, well, no, that was uh, Shadows of the Empire was a launch title. Was Shadows of the Empire for the PS, the PlayStation? No, that was uh, that was an N sixty four game, and that and that was they had a doom to... they had a doom style like yes. game for the PlayStation. That th- that or for the PlayStation that I don't know, or at least not off the top of my head. But Rogue Squadron, I was big and really big into Star Wars. You know, developed me my whole fanboy of Star Wars, and. I was sitting there, you know, every time we would go to our local Kmart, I would be like, I'd look at the video games because, you know, internet doesn't exist and your only source of video game news is if you happen to get Nintendo Power. And it, and so I was like, man, you know what would be really awesome is if they made a entire video game just off of the Star Wars ships. You know, your X-Wings, B-Wings, Y-Wings, all that. They would just make it not linked to the movies, you just you did individual missions with the different ships. I think that would be so sick. And then it, it might have been a month later, I'm at Kmart, and lo and behold, there is this game sitting in the shelf. And I'm like, I must have it. And I've, I've loved the franchise ever since. Now, of course, Factor 5 is no more, so I doubt we ever get one. But those are my favorite Star Wars games, is that type of... And I never thought that that would ever happen. I'm just like, it's a pipe dream. It'll never happen. 
Yeah, well, if someone's going to make another one of those games, it's probably going to fall to EA's shoulders. And do we really want that? No, I. Th- this is this is why I, I wish I've said before that they Disney put all their a- eggs in the EA basket, and I think it would be good for Star Wars and video games if if EA wants to develop Battlefront, then fine. Here, this is what you get. But this developer over here wants to do something else. Well, okay, well, what do you want to do? I like that idea. You know what? Here, you can run with this too. It's they're controlling the franchise a little too much. You need to be guarded of it, yes, because you don't want to make garbage. But you need to listen to more than just one developer. Just my opinion. All right, well, before we move on to what's hot in gaming, we're going to toss it across the pond to our main man, Sid, in the UK. Sid, take it away, sir. Hey, guys, how are we all? Welcome back to Sophie's Trophies, episode 36. I am Sid. Hope you guys are all okay. Um, Before I do this week's game, guys, I just want to give a quick shout out to Hollow Madcap and Teresia. They emailed me this week with suggestions for games for me to talk about. Um, Now, Teresia sent me a list of a few games to look at, and I have looked through those games, and some of them, I have to say, seem quite interesting and uh, in my wheelhouse, shall we say. Um, So, Teresia, I will download at least one of those games in the next few weeks and uh, do a show on one of those. And Hollow Madcap, I have downloaded Grand Kingdom on the Vita, um, I started it playing it yesterday. Um, I have to say, it's not bad, actually. Um, so, good suggestion. But it will take me a little while just to get used to the game's mechanics and things before I can talk about the trophies um, from a point of knowing what the hell I'm talking about. Um, so, that will be done over the course of the next few weeks also. Um, for this week, guys, I'm going to do a game that I never thought I would actually play through. Um, Super Meat Boy. We got it on PlayStation Plus not long ago. Um, I tell a lie, it was a little while ago, a few months at least. Um, and I started playing it and was put off by, well, to be honest guys, by the trophy list. Um, because it differs from the Xbox achievement list in that it is a lot harder. I will elaborate on that as we go along. But as always guys, let's start with the first trophy which is the platinum and that is super meat boy which is unlock all of the trophies this one is a 0.1 ultra rare trophy um, and you know what i'm surprised anybody's got the damn thing um, the second trophy on the list nostalgia um, you found a warp zone now pay me for the door repair that is a 58.4% common trophy, so an easy enough one to find that, guys. When you're running around some of these levels, um, you'll see a little swirly pattern in the air. Jump into it, and that is a warp zone. Um, before I go any further, guys, Super Meat Boy, it's a puzzle platformer. And I say puzzle in the sense you have to work out where the hell to go and the best jumps to make. Um, you play Meat Boy, you can unlock other characters, and... Uh, you will die a lot in this game, guys. You just have to get to find a, your girlfriend, Bandage Girl. Um, and when you find her at the end of a level, she gets kidnapped again by uh, Dr. Fetus. Which is not a sentence I ever thought I'd say out loud. So, yeah, it's easy enough. Just jump through the levels and try not to die. Um, it's very difficult. Uh, some of the levels do seem insurmountable at first, but after you've died 
50 or 60 times, I'm sure you'll get the hang of it. Okay, so the next one. Living in the past, you've conquered five warp zones. You're going, you're so old school. Um, that is a 4.9% trophy. I don't have that one yet, guys, because like I say, I've only just started running through the game. Um, there are characters to unlock. Um, I'm not going to go through them all, guys, because there's quite a few, but the ones I have unlocked uh, are the Commander, um, and that is a 32.1% rare trophy. I believe that is unlocked uh, by doing a warp zone, from what I can remember. Uh, then there's characters uh, you unlock through collecting bandages. Now, when you collect a bandage, you have to finish the level. Um, you can't collect it and die, so some of them are really really tricky to get and I haven't worked those out but that one is uh, I'll give you an example you unlock Tim by collecting 50 bandages um, that one's called business time and it is an ultra rare one point naught trophy um, I think I've collected 17 bandages so far so I've got a while to go with this one there are two ending trophies uh, one for the light world, you beat the game, but that's not the end, is it? That is a 2.5% ultra rare trophy. And then the real end, you completed the dark world, you are awesome. That is a 0.3% ultra rare trophy. Um, each section of the game has 20 levels, guys. And if you A plus the level you're playing on, you will unlock the dark world variant. Um, and then you have to complete the dark world variant as well. So, you know, there is a lot to do in this game, I have to say. I think there are six stages, I believe. I could be wrong with that. Um, so, do the math, guys. It's 100 or so levels, which doesn't sound like much, but they're not easy by a long shot. Suffragette, you've beaten the Cotton Alley all by yourself. Now, Cotton Alley, I've seen videos of this, guys. It looks absolutely ridiculous. And... To be honest, I'm not sure I'm ever going to complete it, but I will try. It is a 0.6 ultra rare trophy, that one, guys. Um, I'm a golden god. You got 100% on Super Meat Boy. Start bragging. That one is a ultra rare 0.2% trophy. Now, with that, you have to get A plus on all levels um, and collect all bandages. So it's going to take you a while, guys. Now, this is where it varies from the Xbox, and this is what really pisses me off, guys. I have to say, it really does annoy me, this. On the Xbox, you have to complete a set of levels without dying. Um, so, for instance, this one here is Wood Boy, and it is Beat the Forest Light World Without Dying. It is a 1.2 Ultra Rare Trophy. Now, I did this one, guys. Quite happy with myself. Um... You know, it took me a little while, but I, I eventually got through it. But this is where the change happens. On the PlayStation version of the game, you have to beat the Forest Dark World without dying, beat the Hospital Light and Dark World without dying, um, beat the Salt Factory Light and Dark World without dying, beat the Hell uh, World Light and Dark without dying, and the Rapture Light and Dark World without dying. And then... You've got to beat the Cotton Alley Light and Dark World without dying. Um, they are all 0.1% ultra-rare trophies, guys, because these are feats of skill, which I highly doubt I am going to do. Um, I'm just not that good, to be honest. But, you know, I'll chip away at it and see what happens. 
Um, right, some of the best ones now. No, some of the best ones. Jesus, guys. Uh, what I meant to say was the rest of them. They're not the best ones. Okay, so you've got old school, beat 10 warp zones, 1.1% ultra rare. I may do this, I'm not sure. And then the last one, guys, after that little fluff up I made, Retro Rampage, beat all warp zones. That is a 0.2 ultra rare trophy. Now, to be honest, guys, I would have gone for the platinum on this because I really enjoy this game. You know, it takes a little while to get used to and a little while to get into, but once you do, it's, it's really good fun to play. But adding all those trophies for doing the levels without dying, I think they're just taking the mick. Um, I think there's five people that have got this uh, platinum and kudos to you. Um, there's just no chance I'm doing it, to be honest. Like I say, I'll keep playing it. And if you're not going for the platinum, guys, it is a well worth game to play. Uh, it's really good fun. But the Platinum just makes it a bit ridiculous, shall we say. So yeah, that's Super Meat Boy for you guys. Um, great game, but Platinum is way out of my reach. I will admit that straight away. So that's it for this week, guys. Um, like I say, thanks Hollow Madcap and Teresia for the emails, and your games will be done um, over the next few weeks. Um, that's it for this week, guys. Super Meat Boy, a bitch of a game to Platinum, but really good fun to play. Um, so as always, it's Sid at Proven Gamer on the email, Sidders1978 um, on the PSN, at Sidney on Twitter, had to think about that one guys, or through the Trophy Horse Facebook group if you want to get in touch. Alright guys, take it easy and keep getting those trophies. Alright, and we're back. Thank you Sid for that that newest and latest rousing rendition of Sophie's Trophies. Again, Sid is crushing it, not only in the Platinum and Trophy Arena, because he's beating all of us as far as Platinum goes. He's uh, he's doing a fantastic job with uh, Sophie's Trophies. So, as always, Sid encourages you guys to give feedback to him. Let him know how he's doing. So, Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm not even going to really introduce it. Well, I am going to, but there's not going to even be a segue other than saying the name of the game because, well, at this point, it's been eight years. It's been an eight-year build to this game because the original Red Dead Redemption, as hard as it may be to believe, was released in 2010, May of 2010. Wow. Yeah, time. Where the fuck has it gone? Um, Out the window. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't stop for anybody. Father Time is undefeated, and he's just going to continue to push us along on this conveyor belt of life. But Red Dead Redemption obviously was a huge success for Rockstar Games, a company that you know has can put its hat on the Grand Theft Auto series, which was one of the biggest game series of all time. Uh, Red Dead Redemption was a huge success for them, and ever since the sequel was announced, people have been anticipating it like crazy, going apeshit for it. They want it. Well, they'll finally be able to get their hands on it on October 26th of this year uh, on PlayStation 4. And they have released, I believe, trailer number three, official trailer number three for Red Dead Redemption 2. And it's uh, it's very cinematic. It's very, like... It really sets the tone. It does. It sets, a, it sets the tone for the story and the entire game. Uh, I do like how there is a character in it who looks like Ian McShane. I noticed that almost right away. That's fantastic because Ian McShane is great. Um, but yeah, I mean, the game, it, it sets the tone very well, and I'm going to read this directly from the PlayStation blog, uh, that Rockstar posted on here. America, 1899. 
The end of the Wild West era has begun as lawmen hunt down the last remaining outlaw gangs. Those who will not surrender or succumb are killed. After a robbery goes badly wrong in the western town of Blackwater, Arthur Morgan and the Vanderlyn gang are forced to flee. With federal agents and the best bounty hunters in the nation massing on their heels, the gang must rob, steal, and fight their way across the rugged heartland of America in order to survive. As deepening internal tensions, divisions threaten to tear the gang apart, Arthur must make a choice between his own ideals and loyalty to the gang who raised him. So... It uh, there you go. That's kind of the the basis for the game. The the summary. Hey, the Heartland of America. That's that's you. Yield. Yeah. Well, I guess Heartland's like Iowa and Nebraska yeah. and more more middle of the country. But yeah, I mean, Yields, you played the first Red Dead Redemption, and as you told me, you have the platinum in it. So, like, what has you so excited about Red Dead Redemption too? I I love Western games. I I remember when they came out with Gun. And then shortly after that, it was the original Red Dead, and it, it, it to me it's it's another one of those video. That was games. that was Red Dead Revolver. Red Dead Revolver, sorry, and that was it was just one of those genres that really hasn't been touched in video games, and it still really hasn't been touched. I mean, you had Gun, or at least off the top of my head, you got Gun, you got Red Dead Revolver, and then Rockstar picks it up, and we got Red Dead Redemption. And now we're getting two. So as for like some big titles, those are the only ones that I can think of. And I may have missed some here and there. But you don't really have those blockbuster westerns. And Red Dead Redemption kind of just, it, it, it hit on that. And it was, it, it was, the cheap explanation is, it's Grand Theft Auto set in the West. People, people called it Grand Theft Horse. Yeah, but I mean, it is and it, it, it's not. I mean, you, you've got your extra missions that you can do that's not side missions, but it's not like you're going around and stealing this great horse to this great horse. I mean, you could do that. There were there were a few horses in the game that you could get, but it's not like you were, go steal me this horse to fill my horse list, you know. But it was just, it was, it was, it was good, and the story was good, and I really enjoyed the gameplay, but my one knock on it was the introduction of like your semi-automatic weapons, and that's just what everybody went to in multiplayer was the semi-automatic weapons. And I'm just like, man, the old west is six shooters and Winchester rifles and sawed-off shotguns. That's what the old west is. So, but I'm just I'm I'm stoked for this. I figured the game's going where I thought it would. It, it's kind of a a prequel to Red Dead Redemption before the simple fact of Red Dead Redemption took place, you know, they the West was being tamed and, you know, civilization is moving West cars and electrical lines and all that. So I'm not surprised that they went, I thought they'd go farther back, not just, it seems like, I'm just going to take a guess, or might be going back five, ten years. Maybe. I can't remember when the year was set when the original Red Dead Redemption came out, but I'm, I'm, I like Westerns. I'm sold. You a fan of Tombstone? That's not a game. Obviously, that's not a game, but... No, I, I am. I really I like that one. It's my favorite Western ever. I like that. I like it It, it, it was better than... Oh, I was, I'm thinking of another one, but Tombstone's really good. I like that one. I like Unforgiven. I like the old westerns, the John Waynes. 
Call me Huckleberry. Yep. All right, well, that is going to bring us to the end of our topics this week. We're going to move on to housekeeping and clean this shit up. As always, we are looking for help. Uh, if you want to go to the front page of ProvenGamer.com and go to the top where and click the Help Wanted tab, uh, if you're a writer, podcaster, video editor, news reporter, if you have any one of those skills or something akin to that, uh, click the link and uh, apply to us. Tricky will look everything over and get back to you in a timely manner. Unless, you know, he's he's grinding for that God of War platinum because he might take a little longer if that's the case. Which he has been playing that since we called him out. Also, check out our articles on ProvingGamer.com. As we've mentioned in previous weeks, Stephen is now the editor-in-chief of ProvingGamer.com, and Stephen uh, does a great job with uh, help getting content up, making sure the site is full of new and awesome things. So go check out the articles on ProvingGamer.com. Also check out our videos on YouTube, and go to twitch.tv backslash ProvingGamer to see what we're streaming. Yield, would you like to do the contact info? Uh, there are many ways you can get a hold of us. We've got Twitter, we've got the show. At Trophy Horrors, we got the site at Proving Gamer. You can get a hold of me at I Yield to No One. You can get a hold of Alex at Sondasaurus Rex. You can get a hold of Tricky at Tricky Mick, and you can get a hold of Steven at Batchild. And I'm gonna get heckled. Batchild twenty seven. There you go. We got it right. We did it. He, we did it. We're number Teamwork. one. We're number one. We've got uh, our email address. If you'd like to hit us up on the emails, that's Trophy Horrors at ProvingGamer.com. I remembered this week. Ha! You didn't do the Gmail. I mean, Gmail is pretty popular. I was going to, though. It was in the back of my mind. It kept popping up, but I didn't do it. We have a phone number that you can hit us up at. Uh, it's 330-PROVEN-9, 330-776-8369. We also have the SpeakPipe app, which is on the website and the Facebook page, where you can click and you can leave anybody, the podcasters, the writers, the editor, anybody, a message saying you do good, you do awesome, hey, do this, we'd like to see you do talk about this, or or give us ideas, we may even run with that. So, And then we've got our other podcast, and I'm throwing it back to Alex. Yes, if you like Trophy Horrors, then be sure to listen to our other podcasts, Nintendo Dual Screens with Steve and Andy, Game Stuff Podcast, which is kind of a general game stuff uh gaming podcast pg spoilers which you know i believe that we're going to be doing a pg spoilers on god of war because as tricky said it needs to be talked about so look forward to a pg spoilers on god of war coming up very soon listen to trophy whores uh, and subscribe to the nintendo dual screens game stuff as well as pg spoilers there should be an exciting episode of pg spoilers coming out very soon you can find all the podcasts on Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes. You can also find them on Stitcher, various podcast apps, Google Play, TuneIn, and you can find Nintendo Dual Screens and Trophy Horse on iHeartRadio. We have PlayStation 4 communities, and who better to talk about PlayStation 4 communities than a man who has his own PlayStation 4 community? Yield. So, I have a PlayStation 4 community. It's called the Platinum Guild. Come uh, uh, hit me up, because it's invite-only. And it's where you can post your latest platinum like I did with Batman and St. Trey. Um, you also, the show's got one called T-Dub's Brothel because Shuhei won't let us say whores. Don't know why because it's not like it's bad. Uh, we got one for the site called Proven Gamer. So you can come in there, chit-chat with us, organize gamer nights, 
Now, Yield, I don't know if you meant to do this, but I did just realize that the the uh, Platinum Guild rhymes with your your name, Yield. I yield to no one. No, I did not mean to do that. I was actually trying to do something that kind of meant PG, and that's what I came up with. That's brilliant on many levels. That is. Can, can I take it back and say I meant to do that? Sure. No okay. one. The internet might remember, but we can forget. All right. I totally meant to do that. All right, and our sponsors, we are happy and proud to be uh, have a partnership with Humble Bundle. If you do not know what Humble Bundle is, it is a charity initiative that allows people to pay a certain pay whatever they want for a bundle of games, and the proceeds go to benefit certain charities. Uh, the more money that you pay, the more tiers that you hit within a certain bundle, the more things you'll get. So if you pay a certain amount, you reach a certain tier, uh, you will get extra games that people who pay like one or two dollars for six games will not get. Uh, as always, we put the link to our Humble Bundle partnership in the show description, so be sure to look out for that. We are also sponsored by Amazon. We know you shop on Amazon because, let's be honest, you can get everything from Amazon, from vacuum cleaners to dog beds to toilet paper. I never thought there'd be a day when I could order my toilet paper online and it could be shipped to my house and I wouldn't even have to go to Kroger or Ralph's or Giant Eagle, whatever the grocery store of choice for you is in your region. Uh, but go to ProvenGamer.com first and click on the Amazon.com link on the side of Proven Gamer. It doesn't really take you much extra time. It takes you right to Amazon, and it helps us out in keeping the site up and producing great t- content for you guys. Extra Life. Extra Life, November 3rd this year. If you don't know what Extra Life is, you can go to extra-life.org to sign up. It is a charity uh, marathon. It is run to benefit the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. Uh, happens every year. The annual happening this year is on November 3rd. You can go to the website, you can sign up to play on a team, you can create your own team, or you can play Lone Wolf, be the Baron Corbin of the group. And what you'll do is you'll pick a Children's Miracle Network hospital to represent, and from there, you go and collect donor, uh, donations and sponsorships, uh, really the same thing. It can be a lump sum for the entire day, a certain amount per hour. Really what you need to tell people is that 100% of the donations that they put into your marathon will go to the Children's Miracle Network Hospital that you have chosen to represent. Uh, it's a tax write-off, and the motto for Extra Life is play games, heal kids, and there's no better example of a win-win situation than that. And that is going to bring us to the end of our sponsors, but we do, as always, have some shout-outs. Yield, would you like to do some shout-outs for everyone? Yes, I would, as always, like to shout out the pimps and the madams of the whoredom. Thank you for, uh, you know, interacting with us on the social medias, listening to the show, leaving reviews. It, it's it's quite an accomplishment that we've made it this far. Uh, for one, that there are all of you out there listening, and that's the fact that some days we haven't killed each other. So that's always an accomplishment. Well, um, we live too far away. For well, that to and 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 that helps. That's a lot too. It's easier just to hang up on somebody, or yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I hear I hear that Tricky's afraid to leave the the Great Northeast. I think he'll go as far as he'll go as south as Virginia, but he can't go any further. Yeah, I, yeah, that's true. He's afraid far. of the equator. I don't he say I, it's going to eat I, him. I've been farther south than he has. Anyway, um, a shout out to Volition. Just an Ohio boy living in a small town world. A shout out to Telltale for uh, season one of Batman. Really enjoyed that game. A a shout out to the guys for uh, coming over for Cinco de Mayo and just having some 
Jackbox fun. That 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 was that was really entertaining. And that'll do me for this week. I missed Cinco de Mayo this year. I didn't even re- I didn't even think about yesterday being Cinco de Mayo. Of course, I I paid attention to May Fourth, which is Star Wars Day, but I can I. I didn't take the opportunity to celebrate with tacos and margaritas. So, you want to hear something really funny that happened on May the 4th? Yes. So, so I, I, I work second shift. So, I got up at like 11.30. I'm sitting downstairs. I got the windows of the house opened up. It was a really nice day. Got the windows open up. I'm sitting there. I'm chilling. I was playing some video games. And I'm like, you know what? I need to get something accomplished today. So, I was figuring about what I was going to go outside and do. The whole time, now this is Friday, the whole time, I swear it's Saturday, I'm like, I ain't got to go to work, it's a great day, I'm playing video games, this is like totally awesome. My wife was garage sailing, calls me up on the phone, we're talking about what we're going to do for Cinco de Mayo, you know, what, what we're having, what we need. I'm like, well, when you get home, we'll, we'll finalize some stuff, we got a couple hours before everybody gets here, that's plenty of time. She's like, you'll be at work when I get home. Like, what are you talking about? You're not coming home till Monday? She's like, no, it's Friday. I'm like, no, it's not. Stop it. I was dead set that it was Saturday. Looking forward to those tacos doing a time shift. I was. I was just... The good thing was I didn't miss work, I guess, or the bad thing. Because, like, the first thing I did when I got off the phone was I looked at at my phone to see what time it was. Because I'm like, well, if I'm late, I ain't going to work now. Amen. Amen. And amen to the the listeners and the fans of Trophy Horrors. Thank you all very much. As always, I want to thank you all first because you are the fuel to the fire that is Trophy Horrors. So thank you very much for your continu- continued support. You all are fantastic, and we appreciate you all so very much. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Yield for recording with me tonight on this dreary Sunday. A shout-out to Steven and Mike, who could not join us. I also want to give a shout-out to From Software, uh, the developers of Bloodborne and, of course, the Soul series. Uh, somehow they managed to make a game that everyone should hate, but yet many people love. I don't know how they did it, but uh, I played through it, I got the Platinum, and I'm just kind of glad that's over now. Um, but a, a shout-out to, to From Software for making games that people should dislike, but in actually it makes them love the games more for being punishing and hard as fuck. So, uh, And lastly, I want to give a shout-out to Ashley, uh, my girlfriend, uh, for her always continued support of the show and of me and everything I do, the silliness that I uh, purvey, uh, I'm just one. I'm like a fucking Muppet baby or a Care Bear. Uh, I'm just silly most of the fucking time. So somehow she hasn't killed me, uh, and she continues to uh, be awesome and just support everything I do. Uh, so I definitely wanted to give uh, her a shout-out, um, as always, for just being a fantastic girlfriend who I enjoy spending so much time with. And this week, Tricky Mick can't cut my shout-out down, because that's what he did last week. Don't think I didn't notice, Tricky. I'll teach you a thing or true. You bad? Get some knuckle sandwiches. Get some knuckle sandwiches. Alright, well that is going to bring us to the end of the show this week. Thank you for listening to episode 346 of That Trophy Horse Show. And until next week, happy trophy hunting. Peace out.
the theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines. 